You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person or child Co-host Ashley Thomas, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Ashley. Thank you, Queen, for being with me as you are one of my queens of intellect. It helps keep me in check on this show because sometimes I will go off the rail as I go by the name Black Socrates, but I consider myself a born gadfly. And some people know the definition of gadfly to be an a-hole. I don't think of myself as necessarily an a-hole, but I like to push the envelope, as we said in the intro, on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. So so, so glad to have you with me um, this morning. Uh, if you will, Queen, say hello to the Truth Seekers. We do have a special returning guest um, to the show. But if you will, say hello to the Truth Seekers, and I'm glad to have you on again. Good morning, everyone. Happy Saturday. I'm happy to be here. I cannot wait to get into the discussion. Thanks for having me on the show again. No, absolutely. And this brother right here doesn't really need an introduction as many times as I've had him on the show. He might be the the, the most guest appearances on the Mental Dialogue talk show as I welcome Dr. Sanjata uh, back to the show. Uh, thank you for being with me. Brother, if you will, uh, say hello to the truth seekers out there. And if you will, give a little bit of your background. Say hello to Ashley. She's helping me co-host this morning. And uh, we'll open up the cat on the, this morning's topic. But if you will, give a little bit of your background and whatever th- you think relates to this morning's discussion, if you will. Thanks for being with us, Dr. John. Absolutely. Good morning, Montoya. Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure to be with you to mentally dialogue. And um, good morning, Ashley. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you. And um, so I guess uh, I, I like to say broadly I'm an entrepreneur as well as an anti-oppression facilitator, uh, content creator, and organizer. And within that, those titles, uh, I do a lot of things. Um, so, you know, I'm sure some of those 
things may come up, you know, throughout this chat. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Keep it broad. <laughs> now nah, I can dig it. Yeah, you are absolutely someone of many a talent, someone I highly admire and wouldn't be bringing you on the show um, if I didn't respect um, your train of thought. And if you are a first-time listener, let me say this before I even let the cat out the bag on this morning's discussion. Uh, that ultimately mental dialogue, the, the ultimate goal is to actually bring people with completely different perspectives together and actually push through discussion. I will say Dr. Sanjata specializes in uh, what I would consider the art of dialogue. Um, I think we're pretty good at it as well, but he professionally does it. And so I think you'll notice that as we get into this morning's discussion. So uh, I don't bring on guests because they agree with me. I bring on guests so that we can have interesting perspectives or in a sense, I want to make sure we're catching things that uh, that I might miss, if you will. And also, if you're a first-time listener, we do open up the phone lines for people to jump in. Because at the end of the day, uh, while I have Ashley as my co-host and Dr. Sanjata as the guest, I would love to hear y'all's stories on this morning's discussion question, which is, what I wish my parents would have taught me about sex. What I wish my parents would have taught me about sex as we tackle this morning's discussion question um, we definitely want you to be a part of it. So I'm going to get out, give out the phone number a little earlier than we normally do because we do hope to get the audience's participation, as I call y'all truth seekers. Y'all are the smartest audience in all of radio. And that number today is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646 646- 787-1691. If you want to speak, you will have to press 1 to join the discussion. With that said, Ashley, we'll start with you uh, as, the, in a sense, our Queens of Intellect member, and we'll start the way we always start. When you heard the question mm-hmm. worded specifically that way, what I wish my parents would have taught me about sex, can you think of your very first thought hearing the question worded that way? I don't think there's enough time to go into all the things I wish my <laughs> my parents would have taught me. <laughs> I think uh, that was the first time, you know, like, I just wanted I to could, get into the topic. Nah, I can dig that. I can dig that. Uh, Dr. Sanjata, um, again, I know I've, tasked, I've tasked you many times. You know, you know what we do mm-hmm. on this show. But when you heard it worded that particular way, just that first initial thought. My my first initial thought was that my parents didn't teach me anything about sex. I can dig and, it. You know, and 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 just the the, the you know uh, the the societal conditions and norms that made that fact the reality is kind of where my brain went. I already knew. I already know. So again, that's why I brought you to the show. Um, I would say. Um, unlike a lot of, I think your story is plenty of people's stories. I know for a fact, um, just to highlight that, that was my mother's story, um, having me in a very small town in the Bible Belt, um, having me at a very early age and being one of the first, if you will, teen pregnancies um, in our town. She vowed that she wouldn't allow me to repeat her cycle. And so I found out by the time I got to college that my mother had done an excellent job in comparison to my friends. Now, there are things that maybe, you know, I still should have learned, but I was way ahead of the game because my mother was adamant that I not repeat the cycle of having a, a child at a very young age. And, for you know, for her, it was in particular that I also not do out of 
do it out of wedlock. Now, unfortunately, she said she did such a good job that she's mad at me now that she don't have any grandchildren. So, so, so she might she might be regretting how good of a job she actually did with um, the things that she did taught me. And I'll even highlight um, when as far as uh, because when I say she did a good job, let me highlight this. So I think it's Again, I don't have children, and then Dr. Shada, you can even you know speak to me, me about this as well. But I've definitely heard, and I do a lot of I do after school programs, so I love and am very involved with children, and have mentored plenty of children. So I've had, believe it or not, plenty of discussions, especially more with teenagers when it comes to sex, if you will. Uh, but I think even my mother, even in making that vow, what she did was in the fourth grade, she introduced me to like health education books. I was an avid reader. So I think it to a degree let her off the hook in that she didn't necessarily have to have the conversations initially. She she knew that I would, you know, in a sense, read up any book. And of course, I was super fascinated to read about <laughs> sex in a book, at, you know, at a, at a very young age. I remember to the point where I remember what my fourth grade teacher saw what I was reading and she was like, you your mother lets you read this? And as a, in my fourth grade mind, I just simply said, yes. Now, in retrospect, I, I can understand the tone. I, I knew she had a tone. I didn't know where it was coming from. I was just, for me, it was normal. I read books. I love reading books. My mother introduced me. So I was, you know, understood the terms and things way before I was supposed to. But then naturally, as a teenage boy, I started using the wrong terms. And when my mom, mama finally did start speaking to me, she was adamant that I used the correct terms you know, vagina, a penis, because as much as I read that book, I had gotten away from those terms, but as soon as she reminded me, I remembered those books. But we are at the top, we are at the first break, so when we get back, we will get hot and heavy into this morning's discussion. See a lot of callers out there. Um, as we get into this discussion, remember, you can press one and get involved, but obviously we'll get our um, co-host and special guest um, opinions when we come out of the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. This morning's discussion question, what I wish my parents would have taught me about sex. We'll be right back. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? 
Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Ashley Thomas. Our special guest is Dr. Shandata for this morning's discussion question, what I wish my parents would have taught me about sex. Dr. Shandata, we'll start with you. As you said prior to the break, your parents didn't teach you anything. So that tells me you were a young man off in the Philly streets, figuring it out from your peers, gave you the game. Uh, this is my big assumption, but we'll uh, just want to dig in with that concept because, again, I know that is the story for many of people, so I think it's a good place to start when we ask this question, and some haven't been, haven't been taught anything. So, um, yeah, just kind of dig into that a little bit, if you will, King. Yeah, that's pretty much, you know, how it went down for me growing up. Um, I remember being in middle school and – you know, just that's that's when the, the hormones start start raising and, you know, people start talking about sexual topics and body parts and all the things. And, you know, I pretty much, you know, had my peers talking about things that they want to do or would do with the girls in the class and um, things like that. Uh, mostly talk. Uh, I remember watching porn at one of my buddy's house um, around that time, probably like seventh, eighth grade. And then finding like my grandfather's old stash of porn, me and my cousin used to get into and kind of, you know, look at and, and, and breed that curiosity or quench the curiosity, I guess, in some ways. And then ultimately I had an older cousin who was probably like a year and a not probably, he is like a year and a half older than me. And I remember when I was like 12, he was like 13, 14, he was already sexually active. So he was telling me things that he would be doing with girls. And I would just listen and learn. And that was kind of my, how I learned. Just listening, you know, music, TV, movies, and my peers and, and, and cousins. Like those, those were my first, you know, those mm-hmm. are the lessons I learned. <laughs> no, I can dig it. Um, Ashley, uh, anything from your parents in regards to uh, this morning's discussion questions? They give you any game, or were you left to figure it out on your own, Queen? Man, I was definitely left to figure it out on my own. Um, my mom's biggest thing was making sure, like, I did not have someone touching me inappropriately. Um, but in terms of knowledge about sex, what happened, any of that, I was completely oblivious. I lived a sheltered life, so. Um, I, I learned that very quickly in college. Okay, so nothing taught. All right, sounds good. Now, like I said, my mother, big big ups. Uh, but let me say this real quick. Again, this is just keeping it real. So, again, exposed me to the books, wouldn't say a lot initially. And so for her, uh, but she vowed that she didn't want me to repeat the cycle. But here's a, a fortunate thing. I could have repeated the cycle, and 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 my first sexual experience, I'll share a little bit of it here, was quite embarrassing, and so hopefully, in a sense, that that's what kept me not continuing the cycle, because again, she shared the books with me in the fourth grade, but unfortunately, it wasn't until she found out that I was uh, basically started to become sexually active that she actually had the conversation. So, in a sense, 
Um, and the reality is, by the time she found out, she was technically two years behind. And just keeping it above. But 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 my first situation scared me a little bit, so it took me a couple of years to, to to give it a shot again. Because I I was starting. I always tell people what I what I found out in college is when you grow up in the country where there's not a lot to do, and, and I and I realized and just having dialogues with my friends in college, I realized, dang, if you ain't got nothing to do, country, like it's like city people are always so advanced. You go to college, like they they know so so much more about the world. It seems like the city kids always know so much about the world. But when it comes to this sexual thing, I figured out since we ain't got nothing to do, we get in the same <laughs> way <laughs> that kids has got community. <laughs> <laughs> in they, in they, um, in they, so I started way too soon with my first episode. Pretty much, I didn't know what I was doing, and um, a friend, an older friend of mine, tried to, you know, help. And this is very common in the country. I, I, I repeated this same unfortunate cycle where I helped uh, young guys get their first, you know, back, you know, get their first taste, if you will. And so I had an older guy, eighth grader, showing me what to do. I didn't know what I was doing. And I really embarrassed myself in the moment. And literally, my first day of school, it was, in the, it was the summer going into the fifth grade. My first day of school, first time I ever rode the bus, I get on the bus, and I had made the mistake of saying that day when I, they was helping me, showing me what to do, that I didn't know how to do it. How about I get on the bus, and I feel like every kid on the bus was saying it because I was a fifth grader. I was already scared to get on the bus and never rode the bus. I used to walk to school. It's my first time on a big bus. I'm scared as hell. I get to the top of the stairs, and it sounded like every student on the bus said, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I still remember. I'm still scarred to this day. And my best oh my friend promised me he wasn't going to tell nobody. <laughs> So that's, that's a lot of pressure. Um, Whoa, a lot of pressure yeah. at, a young, at a young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's therapy right now. This show right here about to be therapy for me. You feel me? Man. So yeah, a lot of pressure. So anyway, anyway, with that said, let's um turn around and now answer the questions. I got a lot of callers out there as well. So um, Dr. Sajada, didn't learn anything from your parents. Going back, looking over it, thinking about this morning's show, give me a, just an idea of something you wish they would have taught you. Because, again, you just explained how you got the game. Tell me something you wish they would have taught you. I mean, all right. We, I hope we can get to the social conditions of all this. Because there's so of much, course. you know me. I'm you thinking go where of, you want, brother. I'm, go where you want. That's why I brought you here. Okay, because, like, for me, I'm, I'm in the thick of this, 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 this conversation right now. What you didn't know when you asked me to be on this show is that I have a 13 year old uh, daughter and my co-parent and I have recently, well, I would say within the last month, my co-parent came to me because she found some text messages that, that were unsettling to her. Um, and realizing that my 13 year old is, is, is more, um, I guess, curious and into uh, the topic than she had that either of us had known. Um, and then it opened up, a whole can of worms in terms of that conversation needed to be had and, you know, how it was being had, et cetera. So I've been in the thick of dealing with this um, with someone who thinks differently than me and parents differently than I do. So literally I've recently purchased books and been sitting down having conversations with my daughter, et cetera. Like I'm in this wow, right now. You're really in this. Oh, 
And it, I, hey, I, it's, I, it's, so, it's so normal that the universe would drop this in your lap today that you got to come right. on the show and talk about this. Ex- the universe is so beautiful. Exactly, exactly. It's so beautiful. But so, you, you, you're mad so, enough to do it, so I appreciate you, King. Oh, uh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so with that said, like, just thinking about the story you just told, one of the, one of the biggest um, things that comes to mind for me is someone, as you know, who also has worked with children um, and teens, et cetera, for, for several years, for many years, and, and care very deeply about young people and, and, and all things people in society. One of the biggest, like, things that I just don't understand about society is that just how there's just this, this gaping hole when it comes to adults um, accepting that young people are curious and interested. Let's just say the natural evolution of mm-hmm. our curious curiosity and desires around sex right. and how they just kind of just, it's like they leave it, they just leave it to, let me say it that way. Like in the past, you know, because I, I know a lot of parents are like me now, and they think differently, and we have this whole sex positive movement and all these things. But right. in the past, and I know there's still some people to this day who are afraid to have these conversations with their children because they feel like talking about it is like giving approval to have encouragement. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. instead of talking about it, it's like if I just stick my head in the sand and I don't talk with my children about it, or I just say things about how the scary things about it, then mm-hmm. I don't I can just wash my hands of it and I don't have to talk about it. Where in reality, children as young as fifth grade are expected to know how to do it. Way back into when you and I were in the fifth grade. And 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 we could be socially pressured and stigmatized if we're honest about the fact that we don't know how to do it or don't know much about it. It's like this weird, like alternate universe situation that happens that is like mind boggling to me in terms of the disconnect between young people and adults. And I'll stop there for now just to let other people get in. But like you were asked to jump back in, but I have so many thoughts. So I'll just stop there. Yeah. Yeah. You could, Kim. Yeah. We want to get them out today again, especially knowing that you're in the middle of this. Ashley, um, your, your thoughts, Queen. We got, uh, I think brother Kevin out of South Carolina wants to get in as well. Um, go ahead, Queen. Yeah. I, I would say um, as a woman, the, empowerment and ownership of your body, I I think that that really misses a lot of conversations when we talk about sex, when we talk about um, being younger. And as a woman, I I feel like there's a certain point where you feel like you actually get into the game of sex. A lot of times prior to that, if you don't know your body, if you don't know what the pleasure is, if you don't know the sensations, sex kind of happens to you as a woman, not necessarily in the sense of rape, Mm -hmm. but like, it just happens because you're not engaged. You're not owning your body. And so I think um, that empowerment to own your body and, like, what it means to engage in sex and, like, your pleasure is a priority, too. And and I know, like, that's, that's something, like, that seems far-fetched, but, like, <laughs> to have autonomy of your body is a very important aspect for a little girl to be able to understand so that she can make those decisions for herself, for her body, and she is not excluded from the equation. Nah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, as I listen to both of you, I'm going to go to Brother Kevin here next. Um, but as I listen to both of you, I think it was, it was something that I saw prior to the show, but it, I think listening to both of you, it triggers uh, when Dr. Sanjata is talking about the aspect of parents, in a sense, burying their heads in the sand, and we know that it still happens, or 
if they talk, it's on minimal, like you said, the scary, the fearful stuff. And something I saw, again, getting ready for this show, is the discussion done the way it should be actually helps with what you're talking about, Ashley, the aspect of uh, really understanding what's appropriate and inappropriate. Because, again, yeah, you're told don't let anyone touch you inappropriately since, since you were a baby, right? You're told that part or whatever, but you're not told about what's appropriate, uh, what's natural, and, and, and owning your body and understanding to actually come get more information by ha- being willing to have the conversation and getting educated on it versus burying your head exactly. in the sand, you know, like Dr. Sanjata spoke about. Uh, let's see what Brother Kevin has to say. For anybody out there listening, we see several callers out there. If you want to get in this morning, you do have to press one. All right, Brother Kevin, what you got for us, King Vong? What's going on, kings and queens? All right. Um, the thing is about removing the stigma. Uh, have our parents prepared us for this? No. I get this, I, I had this discussion quite so often. Our parents didn't properly teach us how to interact between men and woman and the roles that we're supposed to play and what to expect. And if you're not willing to talk about it, trust me, their friends are willing to talk about it, and mm-hmm. the TV is willing to talk. And the, every social media, you know, and what happens is it's, it's the same concept behind when you hear people talking about gun education. Picking up guns and carrying them to school is because you're not familiarizing them with guns, and when they see one, they ooh, ah, ooh, I've got to try it, i got to take it with me, and they pick it up. The same thing with sex. They they hear about that school, they hear the glamorized part of it, and they 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 pick it up. And but unfortunately, when they pick that up, they pick up a baby. They pick up a disease. And now you're trying to deal with the after effect. And our parents did it, and their parents did it. And now you got single mothers, and you got you know, the so-called deadbeat dads, and deadbeat they uneducated dads, uneducated uh, mothers and fathers, uneducated children. And they're repeating that cycle over and over again because we don't have the courage to have these conversations with our children. We, first of all, the men in the family are supposed to tell the daughter what kind of man you need to expect to have in your life. The reason why women choose the wrong men because there's no one there to tell them who is the right men to choose from. So they're trying to figure it out. We're all trying to figure this thing out. And we, by the time we figure it out, we're 60 years old, 50 years old, 40 years old. Still ain't figured out. So we passing down legacy of failure, 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 miseducation. You know, so y'all talk. No, nah, thank you for your thoughts. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what um, um, Ashley and Dr. Sanjata have to say. Go ahead, Dr. Sanjata. Any thoughts about um, Kevin's um, three cents this morning, if you will? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely think that Kevin was 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 on point with the stigma, um, you know, side of it. And for me you know, I'm always thinking about themes and I think about it's just the irony of, of the fact that something that's stigmatized is also so prevalent in our society because mm-hmm. in one sense it's stigmatized, but and then on the other sense, it's very prevalent in our marketing and our media and our music and, 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 you know, pop culture is glamorized. So I just imagine like just the mind twist that, you know, the, the mixed messages that, that young people, and, and I was once a young person, received, you know, received growing up in this country. It just, 
kind of lays the front, the foundation for the the hypocrisy that we all navigate uh, and continue. A lot of people continue to accept. You know, I'm at a stage in my life where I'm all about authenticity, and I reject the the un, the unspokens and the you know the the various mm-hmm. hypocrisies that many people just say. Ah, that's just the way it is. I'm like, you know, f that. Like I I talk <laughs> about everything with my children. Um, I talk about everything with other people. I don't mind saying things that's going to rub folks the wrong way because a lot of folks like to bury the truth. Um, you know, it's just so many, again, so many unspoken hypocrisies that we tolerate, that generally speaking, a lot of people tolerate. And I think, you know, when we talk about stigma, that's a huge part of it. Beyond the stigma, I think we need to just get real with each other as humans and uh, stop accepting some of these unspoken hypocrisies that are so prevalent. Uh, in our society. Now, it makes a lot of sense. And again, as I'm listening to you, uh, here's an aspect, too, that um, to a degree, just the way, in a sense, here in at least American society, that in a sense we've evolved, if you will, to where, um, you know, we know historically, if you will, people used to get, for example, married much earlier, right? And so now we push that off up at the average marriage age is 27, which to a degree, you there was a time where you were an old maid if you were a woman, you know, technically, culturally, there were times at 25, you were considered an old maid, if you will, you know, a lot of years ago, you know, whatever. But I highlight that because it's like, like an aspect of what you said, Dr. Sajada, is, you know, so we've taken the burying in the sand while, while to a degree, Parents may have in the past may have not done good or spoke about it, but we're burying our heads in the sand while we're actually encouraging people to wait much later to actually start families and things of this nature. Whereas in the past, when you started families in your late teens or, you know, sometimes even early teens or whatever the case may be, that was the natural progression. But to not address what sex looks like is almost as if, uh, the, the teaching that you got historically when you might have got married at 15, people have kept the teaching the same, but you're still telling humans to wait 10 years more to even figure out this sex thing and how to have children and how to have families and things of that nature. So, like I say, a lot of hypocrisy that we haven't even considered evolving the conversation based on what we do in reality. We are up against the break for the other callers that want to get in. You do have to press one. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. Our special guest is Dr. Sinjada for this morning's discussion question, what I wish my parents would have taught me about sex. Uh, for some of you may know, I've started a, a video show every Wednesday night called Just My Three Cents. I also have an upcoming book 
called Just By Three Cents, Necessary Conversations on Race, Sex, and Culture. And so I wanted to introduce a piece from the book, and I think it fits into the dialogue to a degree, and um, we'll have your, get both of your thoughts, Dr. Sanjata and Ashley, on this, and we'll get to the callers um, after I share this piece. So this piece is called Black Socrates Speaks, A Teenage Love. I was in the sixth grade the first time I fell in love with the prettiest star in the sky, Vanessa Honey. At the tender age of 12 years old, she was the prettiest sister in our school, and that's all it took for a brother to fall in love. Funny thing is most men, we never stop prioritizing beauty as a prerequisite for falling in love, but when we are young and immature, that's all we use. Most would disqualify my love for Vanessa as puppy love because even by my own account, it wasn't based on much. On the night I so-called fell in love with her, she chose to dance with my classmate right after both of us got up the courage to ask her to dance on the last song of the night at the same time. In the long-standing tradition of school dances back in the day, the DJ played a slow song, and whoever a girl chose to slow drag with, technically, he was considered her boyfriend, even if they were never an item before they danced. So when she chose to dance with my classmate and my best friend at the time, I was left out in the cold. For the next three years of my life, despite her waiting through a myriad of boyfriends, I professed my love for this girl. I became her best friend and sounding board when other guys broke her heart. Now, this was happening at the time we both came, became interested in sex, and unfortunately, Vanessa gained a reputation for sleeping around with different guys. She did have different boyfriends, but Vanessa's reputation for being loose was just rumor mill stuff started by girls jealous of her. Jealous of her. As her true best friend, I knew the truth, or so I thought. Vanessa knew I loved her, but we separated that from our friendship. Then one day we kissed, and for me it was just like Prince saying on a door, the angels started crying up above. <laughs> Finally, what I didn't know is this would be my one and only kiss of a, of a Vanessa honey as we took entirely different paths entering that summer break. That summer, her mother shipped her off to her older brother's and I was left heartbroken as the deal's two occasions became my soundtrack for that summer. When she returned, she took interest in an older guy, and I returned to my position as the lame best friend. Still heartbroken, I turned my attention to other girls, and later in that summer, another young lady picked another guy over me. She said I was too nice, and out went the deal, and in came too short and easy E to save my broken heart. So instead of entering a relationship with Vanessa Honey, the girl I love, I started having sex with bitches. This is very hard to write because I've long stopped referring to women as this, but the honesty makes the point, and ironically, Vanessa Honey is the actual reason I don't use the word to this day. Although it was only two different girls, I got a reputation for sleeping around, which gave me props as a young boy. Too, too many for my age, but not, not exactly pimping or macking like too short raps about. As for as, for as Vanessa Honey, Years later, she shared with me she lost her virginity that same summer she broke my heart. Unfortunately, her unfounded reputation of giving it up caused the same older boyfriend to rape her when she found out she was just a te- when he found out she was just a tease. Two very different paths for two young teenagers, but ultimately what lessons could be learned here? My mother talked to me until I was blue in the face about protecting myself when it came to sex, and thankfully I heeded her lessons. However, Without the discussions of the emotions that come with love and sex, I entered a cycle many boys never grow up to break. 
A boy matures when he stops trying to have sex with every beautiful woman he meets. As far as, as, far as Vanessa Honey, she continued to date abusive men, ultimately marrying her high school sweetheart, who also abused her up until he abandoned her. On the Mental Dialogue talk show, we once asked the question, when should we talk to our children about real sex? Let's take this a step further and teach them about the powerful emotions associated with sex too early and the lifetime of damage it can cause. Here's a toast to my true love and any sister dealing with equally damaged boys yet to mature into men. Vanessa Honey, fictional name, just my three cents. Ashley, I'm going to let you start. Any thoughts after hearing that piece from my upcoming book? Um, it it just sounds like this cycle that is <laughs> wrecking our relationships, right? Like, I, I I know that I tend to focus on the mental a lot, and, and we have, like, a lot of hurt people out here. And I think, you know, just as a woman speaking to men, right, like, there's so many men that get hurt and decide to run through women to mask that hurt instead of, addressing the underlying issue of what they're going through. And it just creates this terrible cycle between our men and women. And then when you add, like, not really knowing about sex and and women not being empowered in their bodies in the process, like, it, it's just really heartbreaking, honestly. And, like, you wonder, I wonder, when does the cycle stop? And, like, when do we take accountability for our feelings and what we're going through and stop bleeding on other people that didn't hurt us? Well, I hope, you know, these these dialogues lay some seeds for people that may be listening. I hope they'll share this show because, obviously, these are the dialogues we need to to have. Um, That piece, um, that book is a book, hopefully, they could be used as a tool to invoke these discussions because we're not having them. And, and what I re- what I took out of it, and I want to hear Dr. Sandella's thoughts before we go to the callers. And what I, you know, obviously I wrote the piece, but what I take out of it is just the idea of the conversation. It has to go even above and beyond what the the, the, the subject of sex itself, because there's so much that more that comes with it. Um, Dr. Sandella, your thoughts after hearing that piece? So, yeah, Montoya. You know, um, and some of your listeners who've heard me before know that um, I'm a systems thinker, and um, I'm also someone who spends a lot of time researching and reading about the evolutionary, let's say evolutionary biology and the evolution of, like, literally all things, including humans, Mm -hmm. um, and comparing the ways that our social systems have evolved and how those systems, how we've been indoctrinated in various systems and ways of thinking that are beyond our control, because systems tend to have more power than individual choices. So, you know, what I mean by that is we all move through this world. We tend to move through the world with a lot of assumptions on how boys should be, how girls should be, how men should be, how women should be. We grow up learning these roles, and then we, we go on to, to, to play these roles and enact these roles because we're, we learn that that's what's right. And reality is a lot of what we've learned – that's right is misaligned with what's natural. Mm-hmm. And this, this misalignment causes negative, causes negative side effects and it continues to perpetuate cycles of harm and, and pain and hurt in so many ways. So when I, when I hear, you know, what you just shared, again, my mind goes to these systems. These, the thing that comes to mind for me is, again, the misalignment, the hypocrisy in, the, in, in, in terms of the ways that we grow up where boys – are, are taught that 
we're supposed to be having sex at a very early age. There's the social pressure by teen years that if you're not having sex, something's wrong with you. You're quote unquote gay, which the stigma around being gay, which is so foolish nowadays in my mind. But as a kid and as a teen, there was stigma like, oh, I don't want people to think I'm gay, which, again, there's so much so much wrong with that. And then for women, on the flip side, for girls and women, the, 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 the social conditioning is you're supposed to wait. You're not supposed to have sex. So now think about that. Think about that social pie. Boys are pressured to do it. Girls are pressured not to do it. Like who they supposed you're to putting do it with? at odds. <laughs> you're putting you're putting us at odds. You're putting us. It's like you create the conditions have been created for dysfunction right out the gate. Mm-hmm. The conditions have been created for dysfunction. Girls are supposed to not want sex, and if they do start thinking about sex in their teen years, then they're they're not pure. There's so many like again stigmas that get placed on them, and the opposite happens to boys in most instances socially, even beyond religion, because we know religion plays a big part of that. But the stigma for boys to be socially, or let's say the pressure for boys to be sexually sexually active and the acceptance that they get goes beyond religion. You know, the religious pressure is to wait. Like, boys actually get social clout for having sex at an early age. Let me highlight. Let me highlight this. Let me highlight this real quick. Let me highlight, uh if you think about what's happened this morning on the show. So I go from the, the getting on the bus to not knowing how to do it right, and then you, I'm highlighting in this paper that I only had, had involved with two people, but that's not understood on the street. So I got all. I went from not knowing how to do it, getting picked on, right. to by the time I'm with the second woman, they don't know it's only two. I got a reputation that gives me props. So I go from that embarrassment to this full. Mm-hmm. Like, boy, you're you're out there now, right? Like so, just right. just a time like that has you know that story has happened right here on the show. Go ahead, King. I'm sorry. Yeah, so so the, the it's just so much again. There's so much hypocrisy, so much ignorance, and okay. So to bring it, I want to bring it home in saying that as an adult and as someone who's very keen and aware to listening to people's realities, and and I, I move in spaces where people take off the masks and they and they're authentic. Um, and here's what I've learned to be true. And then also with learning and reading, like there's this one book that I always reference. Um, called uh, Sex Before Dawn. And I'm going to make sure I got the, the title correct uh, in a moment. But it talks about, like, the evolutions of human sexuality and all these various things. And people are coming out and, and speaking about their sexuality in more candid ways, and we're learning more truths because we have the Internet and all these things, right? So what I now know to be true is a lot of the, the, the stereotypes and the, the themes and generalizations that are made about how boys show up sexually and how girls show up sexually are totally false. They're totally false. And what I mean by that is we tend to think of boys as being the ones who are like want sex and are sexually, you know, want to be sexually active. And girls are the ones who just they get like sex happens to them, as as you said earlier. And boys are the predators. We're the ones pursuing it, et cetera, et cetera. Here's what I know to be true now. I know it to be true that there's people who have strong sexual desires. And, there's, and, that, and those sexual desires kick in at all different ages, meaning there's some people who are ready at age 13, and there's some people who aren't ready at the, until they're 20, 21, 25, of all genders and sexualities. I know that there's um, – so I know that to be true now, right, that it's not – oh, and I'll say this. There's also people who never desire to have sex. There's people who are called asexual, 
there's there's one in 100 people are asexual, meaning they don't have the desire to have sex. They don't feel feelings of sexual attraction at all. We ne- those people get have gotten erased in my lifetime up until now, when I'm learning about these things. Whereas again, including men, I know women who I know I know women who are married to men and they think something's wrong with their dude because they don't want to have sex. We always hear stories about the women not want to have sex in marriages. Well, guess what? There's also men who don't want to have sex in marriages, and their wives thought they were cheating and all these things, and they're like, I just don't have the desire. And a lot of them didn't have the language for things like asexuality and things like that that are now just coming to the forefront. We're now just starting to really learn so much about ourselves and just humans sexually and all these different things. So I'll close it out to say we need more open dialogue. We need to break down these stigmas. We need to break down um, the ignorance of people who think they know, and they, they are so set on this is what boys are like and this is what women are like. None of that stuff is true. The real, the real reality is you got to talk to people and see who they are and, like, really get down to uh, accepting that every individual is different and we all show up differently and we all evolve differently. All right, with that said, we're up against the breaks. We will be coming directly to the callers coming out of the break. This morning's discussion question, what I wish my parents would have taught me about sex, special guest co-host Ashley Thomas and special guest Dr. Sanjata. We'll be right back where all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478 478- 781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. Special guest is Dr. Sanjata for this morning's discussion question. What I wish my parents would have taught me about sex. We're going to go to the callers here. If you want to get in, you do have to call 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. Press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Area code 416-53586. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hi, this is Leslie, and I'm calling from Toronto, Canada. Hey, Leslie, so, how are you doing? I, I definitely think you're doing this show. So when you uh, presented the questions uh, for today's um, show to me, I wrote down some of the things that I felt that I wish I had been taught um, by my mother or by the adults in my life. Okay. Um, It would have saved me from a lot of fear because when I started to have sex, um, there was a lot of fear around getting pregnant. There was a lot of fear around, you know, is this going to hurt? You know, or just like, you know, how do I have an orgasm? So here's the, the things that I wish I had been shown. One is I wish I had been taught how to actually pleasure myself and, and give myself a variety of orgasms. And um, 
you know, if I had been introduced to things like yoni eggs and yoni wands or yoni uh, crystal wands, crystal dildos, um, breast massage, um, things of that nature, that would have prepared me to, one, know how to orgasm in a variety of ways on my own without hoping and praying for the, the boy that I'm with to figure it out. And and two, I, I wouldn't have had any fear around vaginal intercourse because I would have already known how to penetrate myself. Uh, and and that would have empowered me so much more when I did finally start to have sex. So that's one. And so let me jump in before you go to two. Before you go to two, let me jump in okay. real quick. Because I'm just, I'm listening to you. And I'm like, the horror that any woman out there with a daughter has to think. I'm just going, I'm just putting the perspective being a little facetious here. But, like, a mother, like, teaching their daughter that, like, I could imagine that feels, that, that would seem like horror, horror for, for a mother. Just to teach some of the things you're specifically talking about, like, how does a mother teach her daughter that? I'm just, put, I'm just kind of putting it in perspective and, and want to hear your thoughts and to hear my guest talk about that as well. Yeah. Like, you're saying we need to have these discussions. And, and I'm, I'm saying but kind of intentionally here, but do we want to go that far is kind of where I, where I want to kind of dialogue real quick before you go to your next um, your next. Okay, so I, I do know of a mother and daughter who, who operate like that. And, and it's not that the, the mom is going to demonstrate it for the daughter. You, you can give your daughter the, the eggs and the wands and so on and then give her books and give her videos that she can, she can study on her own. Uh, you know, it's not like the mom has to, like, show her, like, here, here's how I masturbate. Like, it's not like that. But, but the, the daughter does need to be taught that, you know what, you, you can give yourself pleasure. You can make yourself orgasm. And when a young lady knows how to do those things, then she's not going to go into sex, you know, hoping that the boy she's with is going to know how to figure it out because chances are very high that teenage boys don't have a clue what to do with a teenage girl. They don't know. Even adult men don't know what to do. So when a woman is sexually empowered and she knows how to give herself a a variety of orgasms, it just makes the sexual experience so much easier and more pleasurable for both the woman and the man. But I don't want my teenage daughter with no no boy. Ash, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Leslie. I'm, I'm being facetious but a little bit here. You can't prevent that. You can't prevent that. All you can do is like educate them. And like I, I 100% understand what Leslie is saying, which was to my point earlier about being empowered. Because at least in this instance, she can identify for herself. Like I actually enjoy this thing, and I'm okay with continuing this versus. Oh, is this how sex is, right? Because for a lot of women, the experience becomes like they don't know what an orgasm feels like until they actually have an orgasm. So if you can educate and equip your daughter or a woman to understand her body, the chances of her doing things because she actually wants to versus just going along, it's it's a completely different feeling. Dr. Sanjata, your thoughts? Again, this is this is um, hitting me at home right now because um, I'm I agree with Ashley and Leslie. I think like I'm willing to equip my daughter as the father. I'm literally 
I'm willing to equip my daughter with anything she needs to explore that part of her because I believe that once that door has been opened, there's no shutting it. Like the, right. those, those desires, those interests, those curiosities will be quenched either behind my back or I can support and I can support and help her do it in the most healthiest way um, and, and safest way. And I, and I think that's where most parents go wrong. Now, here's the flip side. My, current, my co-parent doesn't feel the same way. My co-parent is wanting to, like, stop her, like, from talking to the boy that she's really interested in, for example. You know, she wants to, um, you know, doesn't want to really go deep into having her explore these things. She wants to talk about all the negatives and, you know, mm-hmm. is not willing to talk about the, the, the joys and the pleasures of it, et cetera. Um, you know, she's, she's very, very fear-based. And it puts me in a tough position uh, because right. I think by being sex positive and supporting her and working with her to, you know, help her to relieve whatever the in her that's forcing those curiosities is the best way to do it. So I, I totally agree. Um, I know it's hard. Um, and it's even hard for the young person. You know, my daughter is hard for her to open up, um, you know, about these things because she has internalized all of this the skepticism and the stigma. So it's a it's a very tough position to be in, and I wish that my co-parent, because uh, I know it would be easier for her to get these things from her mother. So I wish, you know, all I can say is I wish that my co-parent was aligned with the things that, you know, Leslie just shared. Now, that makes sense. I'm going to go back to Leslie here, and I'm just going to highlight this. And, again, because we need to have these conversations. Here's a reality for anybody that is pushing that fear. Three things humans going to do. Eat, sleep, and fuck, period. Now, again, people hear that as you're giving some type of open, go do it, do just go ahead and do these things. No, because it's a reality, and all of us also should be honest and remember our own experiences of how what things we went through to even you know have sex, if you will, the willingness to and how far we're willing to go, and so to lose sight of that and let your child navigate the world that way. Is a huge mistake, and and as Dr. Sindata said, once that door is open, again, my mother gave me great advice, and I didn't repeat a cycle because she didn't want me to. Once she started talking to me, she talked to me until I was blue in my face, and I'll tell you this as well, Dr. Sindata, I gave this advice to one of my friends in college because my mother had done such a good job. He did the same thing for his sisters, and, and, and they appreciated it. What, what I, I just I – just, I, was, I reflect on psychology. And so my mother would talk to me till I was blue in the face, like I said in that piece. I never said a word back to my mother. But here's the thing, taking it all in. So just know, she's not going to open up. But you, the reason you want to be involved is because you as a father know you'd rather her get the information from you than the BS right. information you're going to get from peers and in these streets. It works. I promise you it works. I'll go into that a little further. Uh, let's go ahead and let Leslie um, continue. Go ahead, Leslie. I'm going to let you continue. You've got some color, other callers, so I may not get to, get to all of your thoughts, but I'll go ahead and get to your next one. Okay. So I wanted to comment on what you said about what if a parent doesn't want their daughter to have sex with a boy. That's fine. If, if you're a religious family and, and you'd like your daughter to wait until marriage, I still feel that it's important for young girls to know how to self-pleasure themselves because mm-hmm. that way when she, she gets to her wedding night, she is well prepared. And even prior to that, even outside of a relationship, every woman should know how to be um, well-pleased sexually just for her own vitality and well-being. 
Mm-hmm. So the second uh, thing uh, that I want to mention, oh, sorry. No, no. <laughs> the second, second thing that I wish I had been taught um, is something called the fertility awareness method. You can look that up on Google, fertility awareness method, FAM. What that does is when, when a, a, a woman learns the fertility awareness method, she comes to know when she is fertile and when she is not fertile. I didn't learn about this until I was in my early 30s. If I had known about this when I was a teenage girl, that this would have been a game changer for me because the biggest reason why I, I was fearful during sex and, and, and tense and uptight was because I was terrified of getting pregnant. Had I known my body inside out to the point where I know when I'm fertile and when I'm not fertile, I would have, I would have been much more empowered going into sex. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have had the fear. I would have been able to have a discussion with every man that I was with and let him know, you know what, right now I'm fertile or right now I am not fertile. So if we choose to have um, raw sex, which is sex without a condom where the, the man ejaculates inside of your vagina, if we choose to do this, we're doing this with knowledge as opposed mm-hmm. to just doing it randomly and, and, and you know, just seeing what happens. So I wish I had known about this. This this would have changed everything for me. Let me say this. The other thing. Uh, mm-hmm. no, no, go ahead, finish. Go ahead, finish, Queen. I'm sorry. The other thing that I did not learn about until I was. Well, Queen, I'm, I'm, gonna say, I'm, gonna cut you, I'm not gonna let you do the other one because I got other callers. So you can get back in oh, though. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Come okay. off the one and come back on the one, and I'll let you get back in. Um, so I'll definitely let you back in. But I wanted to highlight what you just talked about. I end up meeting a sister who understood exactly what you just said. It's been one of the best sexual pleasures I've ever had in my lifetime with her just completely understanding it. I think I was still more nervous because I um, had followed what my mother had taught me. I pretty much had had, and, and for most of my life, I've had mostly condom sex most of my life. Uh, I do, I still like to get married and have children inside of a marriage. And so dealing with her, I was able to take it off. I was more afraid than she was. But it absolutely was the best experience. She was very empowered, like you said. So I've seen it firsthand. And I, and I didn't even realize it until it's being exposed to somebody who did know that. But very deep. Um, let me appreciate that. All right, we got another caller. We want to jump in as well. Um, area code 470-3112. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this one percussion. Hi, my name is Wisdom Nahila. I'm coming to you live and direct, calling from Atlanta, from New York. Um, the reason why uh, I, I came in is because this topic is, for me, I'm 29 years old. Um, my parents, my mother and my father, was born and raised in Honduras. They came to America at probably, I don't know how, how age, but I was born in New York. So the area where I was at in Brooklyn, I was very confused on a lot of things growing up. And my parents, when I asked my mom where, where kids come from, she would tell me that the babies come from the sky. Mm-hmm. And... I'm like, okay, right? <laughs> so I would go, like, I would go to school because I went to my uh, family is Catholic. I went to Catholic school in my life, um, but I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. Uh, so I experienced a lot of things as they worked a lot. And I was with grandma. Grandma only spoke Spanish. Spanish was my first language, and it was English. As I'm going to school, I'm seeing the kids doing certain things. I don't know what that is, but I feel like it's okay to do, right? <laughs> so... Right. I got in, I, I ended up being curious, and as my curiosity, I have a um, curiosity slowed my process down, right? So as my curiosity came about, um, and I used to come to the neighborhoods, I was very, um, I was sick as a kid, you know, um, and there were, there were men that would come to me, 
So I would thought that I would I thought as a kid as a as a as female as a female that I was supposed to be submissive to a man because that's why I saw my mother be submissive to my father because they was married and they was that's what I seen. So I thought that's what life was about. Mm. Um, so I was accepted. I was very accepted as far as how men, boys come to me because that was going on. So I, I got yeah. molested. Oh um, wow! With that being <laughs> With that being said, I never seen, I never knew a pe. I didn't even know what a penis was. I thought that men and women had the same thing. So when I was wow. at, 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 at one day in my living room, um, I was one day hey, in my queen, living room hey, queen, and hey, queen, let me do this. Let me do this real quick, queen, because we're at the top of the hour. Can I'm gonna keep you on? Or you, oh, do you have a sorry. Few <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Can I keep you on? Because I want to hear this story after this break. If you, are you able to stay on for a few minutes? Please tell me you are. Yeah, sure. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go to this break. We'll be right back. and we'll um, Say your name again. I missed your name, Queen. Wisdom. 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 Okay, Wisdom. We'll bring you back right out of the break because I want to hear this story. All right, we'll be right back. Okay. To the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hit a switch on a fake nigga like a station Mental Dialogue, it's so good it should be illegal. But if you missed the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Again, if you missed the show, please check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all podcast streaming platforms you can find the mental dialogue talk show if we say we need to have these necessary conversations then make sure you're sharing it i would love to highlight um, i just received my report from spotify and our listeners are up 300 percent over last year so y'all have been rocking with us uh in the, the last couple of weeks well the last couple of days i've taken on a whole bunch of callers i don't even know i mean listeners so i don't know where y'all are coming from but i appreciate y'all uh, we put out 
5,000 hours of content this past year. So definitely go back if you're a first-time listener. Um, and one of my listeners, which was so dope, uh, let me highlight that brother. Um, I call him the intellectual pot, um, the intellectual, intellectual outcast, Michael Sutler. Um, he sent me his Spotify report personally where it showed that we were his most binged listened to show. So definitely encouraging y'all to be like Michael. Uh, be like Mike, if you will, <laughs> and uh, binge the show if you're just now discovering what we're doing with these necessary conversations on race, sex, and culture. This morning's discussion question, what I wish my parents would have taught me about sex. Special guest co-host Ashley Thomas, as well as Dr. Sanjata. Uh, we have a call of wisdom on the line that's kind of breaking down her experience, and, and uh, I'm glad to have you. Thank you so much for calling in, Queen. Um, if you will, yeah, pick right back up. You were unfortunately breaking down on your life experience when it comes to understanding and knowing about the thing called sex. But if you will, go ahead. With, again, thank you for being with us. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Um, as I was saying, I'm the Hitler coming to you live and direct. Uh, when I was young, I definitely, like I said, uh, one of, I didn't know that men had just different genitals mm-hmm. than women. Um, and the only way I was able to actually know that is that one, one day um, my brother, I was very young, and my brother was sleeping in the couch one day, and I went to go put on Looney Tunes, right, <laughs> put, my, put my TV on, and he got up. And when he got up, he had, he had um, I guess, boxes on, so it kind of, like, came out. And put it back in and went to the bathroom. And I was like, what is that, right? I'm, I'm like, lost. And I'm like, what mm-hmm. is that? And I went to, went to my brother, my, my dad, actually. And my dad, like, it was hard for him to kind of, like, break it down to me. Like, he just told me that, you know, men have different, it's different from women. And he didn't tell me what, how was it used or nothing. He just told me to forget about it. That's all he really just told me. He told me to forget about it. And I said, okay, so I forgot about it. I'm thinking it's a toy to play or something. I don't know. I'm just a kid. Like, right, so I don't right. know what's going on. So after, after that moment, um, that's, when, that's when a lot of things was happening at the age of, like, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Mm-hmm. Um, I started having sex. I had uh, men that was coming to me in the neighborhood. And I just thought that was the right thing to do as I was doing it. And oh, so wow. one day, fourteen, at fourteen, that's when I got um, pregnant. I had a, a, a um, and my parents they thought at that moment that I got like, like viciously, viciously raped. But it wasn't like that. It was a more of a, like I, I, I understanding that I had for myself, right? Um, and then that's when my parents kind of spoke to me about it. But at that moment, I already felt it. I already had the attention from all these men that was around me. I already had a reputation. As I'm walking in the neighborhood, I'm getting called whole and this and that. And I'm just embracing it because I thought that was the, I thought that was life. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Like, I really thought no, that was life you, because I did not know. <laughs> um, and then after, um, it's been a while when, when, um, when I got, I'm 29 right now. My daughter's 11 years old. My daughter's at an age where, things was happening to me and, and she she does computer technology code on um, coding and I, I teach her, I speak to her a lot about these things about emotions about this about that that's when I started picking up the pen and I became a poet because poetry was my escape well I became a spoken word artist poetry was my escape to uh my feelings right and then I became a motivational speaker and then boom like when I came to Atlanta I met Brother Sincere and I became holistic 
and there I started to understand a lot of a lot of things that was coming to me a lot. My parents couldn't explain this to me because they still healing. Like my dad has a few women in his life. My mom been alone since I was twelve years old. Like they still healing themselves. So they still don't even have a way to even sit down to me and let me know uh, uh, where it's like, this is, this is what happened. This is why you felt this way. This happened to me when I was a kid. Like, that talk has not happened, right, until now, you know. So, so now I'm able to go ahead and speak to my daughter about these things. Um, I don't have really much to say about it. That's really it. I do have a poem that I would like to share before I go. No, I love it. So let's do this with them. I want. I'm very interested because I'm. I can only imagine what Ashley and Dr. Sanjata are, are are thinking and processing with what you said. So I want to hear their thoughts, and then we'll let you share this poem because I thank you so much for being so vulnerable and transparent on the show. Um, Dr. Sanjata, I'll I'll start with you because I can only imagine how much you heard in that in that story, and I'll just highlight this, this aspect that one thing that stood out for me. Uh, was hearing her say the way she dealt and received to other other men was she saw the example even inside of her quote unquote two parent home of her mother being submissive to her father and she processed that as a young child as to be willing to be success uh, submissive to boys and, and unfortunately even men um, in her lifetime but Dr. Sanjata please just jump in King. Yeah, um, thanks for sharing. Like you said, Montoya, thanks for sharing so vulnerably wisdom. Um, you know, for me, Montoya, I, I just see, you know, wisdom story um, as a, one of the negative side effects of us not uh, being authentic as a society um, about, around, these, around this, this, this topic. Um, and it's, 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 it hurts my heart because I know it's such a common story. Uh, I knew people like wisdom growing up. Um, who went through what she went through. And, um, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about the work that I do and the things I'm endeavoring to do, um, because I think that we need to approach, you know, we need new systems. We need new social systems. We need new paradigms. And, um, you know, so that we can protect one another better. Because right now, you know, within the current context of how we hold these things, uh, we don't protect young people well enough. We vilify them. We stigmatize them. Uh, but, but we don't protect them because we don't currently have a pro- processes and language for accepting our nature um, and and finding alignment and ways to for people to be who they are in safe ways. So therefore, you know, we end up having predators and victims as a result, and it breaks my heart uh, because I believe that we can do it a lot better. And that's all I'll, I'll share about that. And let me highlight predators and victims. So please, everyone, understand, it's, hard, it's hardly anyone that would say we don't need to have these dialogues more. We don't put our wrap our minds around actually, one, doing it, what should be said, because the ultimate results is stories like wisdom, is stories where predators, because we go, we're left to find it out on our own, and you're, like, lucky you're not on one or either end of it. Because, again, getting the information from my peers who don't know what the hell they're talking about is probably not setting me up to enter in something as intimate as sex in a proper manner with a young lady. We all end up having to get rid of some mess 
if we ever decide to, for example, choose to have a family and maybe try to figure it out at that point in our lives. Some people never even get to that point. We, we, we have a bunch of mess we have to let go of because we didn't have these conversations sooner. Ashley, um, your thoughts. Can I, can I share something else real quick? Yeah, friend? please go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Dr. John. And I, and I know this is one of the areas where, where you and I disagree on things, um, but I also want to throw into the, into the dialogue um, that, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, it's the children who are growing up in single-parent households, et cetera, but there's a lot of dysfunction within marriages as well because a lot of people get married under the wrong context as well because society says – society puts a lot of privilege within the dynamic of marriage, but – there's a lot of nuance and complexity in that as well, because a lot of people are suffering in marriages. So a lot, the, the wrong thing is being modeled in marriage. You know, so a lot of times people feel like marriage is the solution to, to, to creating safety for young people and providing the right, um, mo- to modeling the right things for young people. But there's so much dysfunction, and, and, and there's, as Wisdom's example shared, there's imbalance and, and misalignments within marriages that also can, you know, cause harm because it's modeling a lot of the wrong things. So I wanted to share, share that and also in monogamy. I think standardized monogamy is also an issue, and there's a lot of hypocrisy in that, the fact that we have a society that says monogamy is the norm, monogamy is right, whereas naturally speaking, in the ways that we show up as humans, there's people who are monogamous, there's people that aren't, if we're being honest. And as you know, I'm polyamorous, and I know we'll get into that probably a little later. But I just wanted to throw that into the dialogue as well. Right, absolutely. Ashley, your thoughts on, on what you heard from Wisdom as well. Sorry to keep you waiting, Queen. Yeah. No, it's okay. Um, I, I just wanted to first, like, you know, thank her for her transparency and her honesty and her vulnerability. And I would challenge any man that is listening to this show to talk to the women that they know and see how many women have been molested. I personally don't know any women that are my friends or, you know, relatives that have not been molested, right? Like that's just straight facts. And to me, it drives home the conversation that we have to be having, right? And, and like, I know this is not the conversation per se, but like, when I say protect black women, like this is what I'm talking about, right? This, this is the thing that sets our women up to be hurt because we don't know our bodies. We don't know. And like in traditional families and Southern families, right? Like it's always about being submissive and serving and doing these things and like the harm that religion does to our girls and like just this fear that comes with it and like Leslie mentioned, as Wisdom mentioned, right, like just all of these things that get compounded and all of it typically falls on the women. And like there's so much fear and anxiety that if you don't know, you can't give it uh, a name. You can't identify what it is. And this is why it's so important that we have these conversations, that we tell young girls what their bodies are, that they have control of it, that they know what pleasure is, that they know what pain is so that they can identify it so that when you have these conversations, when you create safe spaces for little girls, they can have these conversations. They can bring this to you. I feel like communication is a cultural um, generational curse that we have within our community. We don't know how to communicate. And a lot of the 
blame comes back to women. And and I know it's unfortunate. I know in some instances that we can't get around that, right? Like the conversation we had about um like if a guy doesn't want to have a baby and like the woman is pregnant, obviously it falls on her. But like we have to be having these conversations telling people like their body is their body and you have the right to protect your body. And the same conversation needs to be had with our young boys. Like that is your body. And when a woman has her body, you cannot violate her body. Like it's so disheartening and disrespectful and it does our community such harm when we cannot empower each other and recognize like, this, this is your body. You have autonomy over it. And, like, someone violating that space is just so disrespectful. And, again, I would challenge any man that has a woman in your life that you love, create a safe space and ask her if she's ever been molested or her body has been violated or her boundaries have been violated. And I promise you the majority of those women will say yes. Because for hey, some Queen, reason, hey Queen, let me. Let, we're, we're. I'm sorry. We we are definitely up against the break. Wisdom. If you're hopefully you can keep hanging on. Um, I want to go to this break and come back with wisdom's poem and keep the conversation going. Sorry about that, Ashley. Um, we'll be right back listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Where all I ask is that you think. This at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. Our special guest is Dr. Sanjata for this morning's discussion question, what I wish my parents would have taught me about sex. If you're trying to get in on this morning's discussion, you need to give us a call at 646-787-1691. We have a truth seeker on the line right now, Wisdom, who's wanting to drop a poem. She so eloquently opened up and was very transparent about her, in a sense, lack of knowledge, which is many of our stories um, coming into sex and her own sex, sexual experiences and how she's, in a sense, trying to do a better 
job with her daughter, uh, which reminds me of my mother. Based on her experience, she was very adamant that I not repeat her cycle, and I'm so thankful, to, you know, to my mother for, in a sense, some of those teachings. But even that, there can be some imbalance, if you will. Uh, but I definitely want to hear this queen's poem. So, wisdom, we're bringing you back live. Thank you for holding on um, for your time, but Kevin. We'll get you coming out of this as well. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you again for being on with me. Yes, thank you. Thank you for this platform. Um, I'm looking forward to working with you and everyone in here. Um, back, yes, I'm going to go to this poem because this poem is just uh, it's a, it's a trauma poem, but it gives you an insight on pretty much how, how I grew up. Growing up in Brownsville was something. Everything went down. Sex, crime, drugs, extortion, prostitution, man, that shit was the norm. The first shot you heard was the appetizer. The main part can happen at any given time. See, Brooklyn is in my soul, but Garifuna is in my blood. Both cultures embedded in me. Buiti Banafi Idabian. Buenos dias, gombostas. Good morning. How you doing? Languages and experiences are often challenged. I often wonder, have I ever felt traumatized? I have so much support, but I still feel empty inside. Confused in a mind, bouncing from heat. To see the obsession of having the best of both worlds, man, that shit excited me. Darkness hiding behind my mind. Tell me, do you really know what is pain and sorrow? Shit, I want to know who hurt I can borrow. Mommy, why throw away the images that I was painting? Did it remind you of the past that you faced? Was it a sad case turned into a cold case? But you had me. Curiosity slowed my process down. In many ways, I became cold and heartless. Stuck in a room, I know you can relate. Something I already know you can dictate. At seven, I was drawing images. At 10, I was writing poetry. At 11, mentally fucked up. At 17, I learned how to cook because only in my mom's eyes, I was overlooked. 27, discovering myself. Take me back. Take me back to the time when my dreams didn't have to accomplish in a hurry. Take me back to the time when my dreams didn't have to accomplish in a hurry. Take me back to the time when everybody loved me different and the cycle of support didn't change. Take me back to Honduras to hear the sound of the drums, paranda playing, los mujeres wearing their batas singing lullabies. Instead, what I hear, pop, 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 here we go again, another life got. And in the hood, emotions are stored stored in a bubble that when it's ready to release, man, that thing explode. Take me back when beef was settled with a fight, because a trigger of emotion can make anybody tight. A trigger of emotion can make anybody tight. Take me back to family time when dinner was served every night. Te amo. I love you. A kiss on the forehead would have had me right. Mom, why had a curfew my desires was always met? Dad, why raise me like a boy? Was it because you thought I wasn't going to get used as a toy? I was raised believing in a fairy tale, reading books that doesn't even trace my trails. I'm mixed with lies, abuse, love, spice, and a tad bit of ratchet. My dad used to tell me that every head had a problem without knowing that he had a problem. Remember when I told you that languages and experiences are often challenged? ¿Por qué la gente le gusta estar en mi vida? Yo soy inocente como sangre puro. El fuerte lo que tengo es duro. Yo. Why people like to be in my life? I'm innocent like the pure blood. The strength that I have is hard. My ego, I wanted to be cool. So I hung up with the boys just to only be fooled. At 19, I met knowledge. 
I kept the warmth through my words that my presence spoke into an existence that I created. I created an existence that's not yet to discover because when there is room for tragedy, you have to set the blueprint for strategy. When there's room for tragedy, set your blueprint for strategy. School, my parents never played with, but I went through mental hardships that they never noticed. I had straight A's and materials was handed, but my parents always worked, so my soul felt stranded. Me sangre is fudo. My blood is pure. School was my escape, but even then I seen kids get raped. Pop, pop, pop. Here we go again. Another life God. Damn, is this thing going to stop? Pop, pop, pop. They don't get tired of hearing the sound of these pops? My cocoon, I have to stay in because I have to change the radio station to contain my aggravation. And that's my presence folded to an existence that I created. Wisdom, the healer, home. Thank you so much, Queen. Um, that was an amazing poem. Um, I definitely heard a lot of what needs to be discussed in that poem. I appreciate you. I love being in a sense, making me a platform available. Um, I love spoken word poetry. So for anybody out there listening, um, I'm so elated that this queen not only chose to tell us her story on today's show, but felt uh, the need to share her, her art with us. So thank you so much, Wisdom, for your three cents this morning. It was amazing. Thank you so much as well. I'm looking forward to any uh, future episodes. Everyone wants to follow me, just Wisdom the Healer with a Z, because I got to be different, LLC, on IG, and I also have a podcast as well, Wisdom the Healer. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Queen. I got Brother Kevin wanting to get back in. Um, I also wanted to share another piece, so we're going to go there. I'm going to share this next piece and make it part of the dialogue. So, Brother Kevin, since you've been on, we'll have you, I'm um, sorry, Brother, we'll have you wait a little bit. For anybody that just got on, if you want to get in on this morning's discussion, you do have to press 1. Um, if you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. You have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Again, I do have an upcoming book called Just My Three Cents, um, Necessary Conversations on Race, Sex, and Culture. And so this is the other piece that I wanted to share. This one is called Black Socrates Speaks, Sex, Infidelity, and Marriage. Sex secret for married women from a single man. Mothers, teach your daughters that if you get your husbands off every day, he's less likely to get off elsewhere, and that's real. I know this will make plenty of queens upset, but notice no men will get on this post and disagree. The key to this secret is the everyday part. So please know stories of my previous husband would sleep with me and his mistress on the same day. Yes, that happens. But again, the special sauce to this secret is entering the marriage and never creating the habit of skipping sex. Some men do not want it every day, lucky you, but when he does, make it happen. Like the father of my best friend told her before marriage, if you're not going to give him none, then you might as well become a nun. All the men in this in agreement, please state I. Ladies, the eyes have it. I know plenty of women will argue that their husband is okay with sex once or twice a week, or he should be happy with that. Truth is, he hated going from daily sex you had in the beginning of the in the beginning of the marriage, but had to accept less after you became the mother of his children. After all, he can't take it from you. Truth be told, when you first started refusing him, you could have just laid there, and he would have been okay with that. I know it sounds crazy, and you're still feeling like it shouldn't be this way. However, this is not 
However, I'm sharing this not because of how it should or should not be, but I am stating, simply stating how it is. I know this appears as if I'm placing the onus of infidelity on our queens. I am not justifying a man or woman stepping out, although this little gem, like it or not, will help a sister out, and especially your daughters, if you teach them. I am simply speaking to the reality of testosterone-filled men and the wives who smartly make sure their husbands are not leaving the house sexually frustrated with their testosterone levels too high. The husband receiving daily sex doesn't have to compete with his own nature when his sexy co-worker makes her daily advances. If he cheats despite receiving regular sex, he just wanted to, and there's nothing you could have done. On the other hand, the good brother who accepts his once-a-week sex, if that, is sit out daily, testosterone levels through the roof, and expected to resist the sister who goes hard because she sees his faithfulness as a challenge. Queens, believe it or not, that good brother doesn't want to ruin 3,650 days of marriage, equivalent of 10 years, for one day of new sex. Advice to men, even if you're married and can't openly agree with this post in front of your wife, please note to help your queen oblige your Please note, to help your queen oblige you daily, you need to be on, the, on point with completing your honey-do list. Can't really expect your queen to work, maintain the house and kids with only a little help from you, plus give you sex on the regular. Lastly, this is a two-way street, so if you're not satisfying your wife, she may become sexually frustrated, which increases her chances of infidelity as well. The biggest difference is women are typically not driven by nature to seek out sex. By the way... By the way, this has nothing to do with her sex drive, but her, but her hormones, estrogen, do not typically control her when she's deciding to have sex the way our hormones, testosterone, drive us. This is the reason weak men assault women, but that's another story. Now, let me give a little quick side note, and I want to hear both my guests' thoughts on this. Side note, I know plenty of queens who are wondering what makes me think I'm qualified to write this post as a 48-year-old single brother who's never been married and has no children. Well, as that single brother who loves daily sex in a committed relationship, I am a Scorpio. <laughs> I've spent several years afraid of marriage because of how many brothers complain about the lack of sex in their marriages. I'm not trying to spark the marriage is not all about sex debate. I'm just sharing what I'm hearing from my married friends, some which have cheated, some have not. Matter of fact, a few have happily remarried, and they quite often add they enjoy increased sex the second time around. I guess the second time around, they made sure they found a woman who won't let them leave home without it. Ashley, I'll start with you in reference to this piece. And let me say this real quick for anybody out there listening. Again, this is a piece from the book. I'm not simply sharing thoughts for people to agree or disagree. I am writing these pieces intentionally to create honest dialogue. So if that, with that said, Ashley, it's not about whether you agree with me on the piece. It's just what is sparked and do you want to talk about because you've heard this piece. Go ahead, Queen. Um, I mean, like, this, this piece, it, to, like, get away from agree or disagree, I mean, it just incites anger in me, honestly, um, just because, like, I feel like it gets away from everything that a relationship is, and I feel like it goes to the earlier point about, these conflicting messages about sex and I, yeah, it, it's tough to speak on it because I'm like, the only thing that's going to keep a man is a man that wants to be kept. It doesn't matter about how much sex you're having. You know, like if, if this is what you want, 
a commitment and like if there is a breakdown then where is the communication to address why we're not having sex or why we're not having it to the frequency that we want but again that goes back to like people are scared to have conversations about sex like if you want to have sex and you want to be engaged in pleasurable sex you have to have conversations and like i just don't feel like it should rely on and there have been plenty of people that talk about you could have sex every day and it's still not going to change anything so it it just makes me very angry to even think about it because it, it always comes back to women is what it feels like for me as a black woman. It, it always comes back to us. So, Dr. Sanjab? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate uh, what was just shared. And um, first I'll, I'll start by saying the name of that book that I referenced earlier, Sex at Dawn. I recommend it to anyone to read that wants a a more authentic viewpoint of human nature when it comes to sex in terms of our evolutionary biology beyond the social constructs that we were born into. Because prior to colonization and um, even prior to going back even further, um, you know, things, the assumptions and the norms that were embedded in the piece that you read, Montoya, um, aren't necessarily aligned with human nature. And that's why I feel like we continue to run into so much dysfunction um, and because we, we don't honor, you know, what's real and what's true in terms of human nature. And I'll just give you all my story. For example, you know, I was married. I got married at the age of 26. I met my, my ex-wife at 22. Um, and about five years into our marriage, um, I, under, I realized that even though we were like best friends, we were everybody's favorite couple, um, you know, we had dope sex, adult sex life. Um, she was really invested in making sure that I was happy and I was invested in making sure she was happy and literally in every way. Um, I still laid my head down at night, filling the void. And I was so frustrated by that. And I didn't understand. I had no context for it. Um, I'm like, if I'm being satisfied sexually, she's my best friend. We get along. Why am I not happy? So I eventually caught feelings for a coworker and shared that with my now ex-wife. And I was starting to have desire to have sex with other women about five years into my marriage. And I didn't understand because in my mind, I thought that that could only happen if I wasn't happy at home. But here I was as a, in my twenties, happy at home, but still desiring others and more. And I literally, because of who I am, I also promised her I wouldn't cheat. So I didn't. I never cheated. What I did was I went to counseling. And I went to counseling on and off for six years trying to suppress what was inside of me because I wanted to keep my family together. I had two young children. I wanted this woman in my life, et cetera. And throughout that process, I also was battling um, my, my nature. I was battling myself and battling the themes in society that said there's something wrong with you. If you have these feelings, you're weak or you're undisciplined or you're greedy or you're selfish. But then when I looked at other areas of my life, I'm like, those, I'm not that way. That's not who I am as a person. And then I, I Googled one time, can you love two people at the same time? And I, I came on this, this, this topic called, um, this, this term called polyamory. And I started reading about it and I realized that that's what I was experiencing. That's who I was. And it gave me a lot of psychological relief because I was starting to have a lot of really harmful thoughts about myself and I'm someone that that is very self-aware and self-confident and I was starting to have 
harmful belief, harmful thoughts and beliefs about myself that wasn't aligned with how I've always shown up and what others have seen me to be, et cetera. And I had to reconcile these, these, my nature versus these themes in society. And it was a hard work. It took me six years to reconcile this in myself. I wasn't out here willy-nilly just trying to go out and smash women because I was having these desires. No, I went within. And what I learned, understandings over the course of six years, is that this is just who I am. This is my true nature, and there's nothing wrong with it. If I can be honest with myself and honest with the people around me. And ultimately, it led to the end of my marriage because my ex decided that she wasn't, and it wasn't a journey she wanted to go on. But I decided for my mental health and for my well-being and for me to be the best version of myself in the world, I had to live my truth. And my truth is I have the capacity and the desire to love and share love with more than one person in a committed relationship. And that's what polyamory is and what it represents to me. And then to go further into your piece, Montoya, you know, one of the benefits that I see about polyamory is that I understand that no one person can satisfy all my needs and no, I can't satisfy the needs of one of, of someone necessarily as well, of, of someone necessarily as well. But I, I, I see so many couples who are expected to be that because that's what society says. So now we have so many miserable married people and we also have high divorce rates because people are trying to find the one. I just don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's realistic. And I think there's a level of denial in that. Are there monogamous people? Absolutely. But I want monogamous people to find other monogamous people. And for those people who are non-monogamous, which in my observations, the majority of people in my life and that I've seen growing up are, I want them to find each other so that we're not consistently hurting each other. Men and women who are non-monogamous naturally need to be in relationship with each other and collaborate in terms of making each other happy with other people who can also make us happy in other ways and get rid of the learned behaviors of possessiveness and, and possessiveness and jealousy and all these things. Broad view from my personal experiences on it. Um, I think we do a disservice with um, um, compulsory monogamy as being the norm in society. And um, again, all the assumptions and norms that you read in your piece um, don't align with true human nature. And I think that's the problem because we're not willing to have these conversations honestly and accept that you know what? A lot of us just aren't monogamous. So, no, and and, and I, I'm sorry, aren't monogamous, and also, you know, there someone may be a great life partner, but they might may not be a great sexual partner, and it's okay if we're able to get different needs met by different people. If we can do it in community with one another in healthy pro-social ways, which I know can be done. I'll, I'll leave it there. No, sounds good. Got a couple of callers. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Area code five zero four last three three four zero. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Greetings. Can you all hear me? Okay. It's coming through loud and clear, Queen. Where you calling us from, and what's your name? Wonderful. Um, I'm calling from Rhode Island. My name is Gloria. I also go by my professional sacred name, Hadassah. Um, and as a doula and an intimacy coach, this topic is very close to me. I wanted to speak on the narrative that a woman must please her husband so he doesn't cheat. I feel like that narrative sets up a paradigm of the woman's self-martyrdom out of fear. Um, we know that everything exists along a spectrum between love and fear, and nothing is in a fear frequency. So abundance, 
Um, pleasure, love, and trust is the spectrum of love, whereas jealousy, possessiveness, competitiveness, selfishness, and anger are on the spectrum of fear. When you feel threatened, there is fear. So setting up that narrative is destructive to the woman and the man. And a woman should never be taught to please her husband solely so he will not cheat. Um, men are very visual, and so men will always see beautiful women that they desire. However, um, that is operating from a place of fear, not love. And when a woman truly loves, she loves herself passionately first, and that includes owning her own pleasure and her own desire to please herself with her husband and be pleased by her husband, not placing the primary focus on pleasing him out of fear, because ultimately he won't be pleased. And he will stray if you're forcing yourself to sleep with him every night out of fear that he will stray. He can feel that women often don't understand how in tune men are to our pleasure. Men feel that if a woman is not being pleased authentically, a man will be turned off. If he feels like he's having sex with her out of obligation or she's allowing him to have sex with her out of obligation for many men, that's akin to rape. You know, and they're very sensitive to a woman's pleasure, contrary to popular belief. Women often don't understand. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry? No, go ahead, finish, okay. Um, thank you. Uh, women often don't understand that um, men are not as selfish as the media would lead, lead us to think that they are. Men thrive and feel validated and like, basically like Superman when he's able to please his wife. Because women are not taught by their mothers, as was discussed in the earlier conversation, um, to own their own pleasure. Many women are not capable of actual true orgasms. Men stray because they're literally seeking a woman he can feel fulfilled by in pleasing her. Every man wants to bring his woman to multiple orgasms. That's what really makes him feel like a king. And that actually will bring out more devotion from him and more commitment. He will, do, he will go above and beyond to feel that he has a woman who is multi-orgasmic and present and that she is pleased by him. And one thing, a lot of women, um, I just saw a post on Instagram yesterday, can, a lot of women. If I can't can jump in, Queen, I want to, if I can't jump ahead, in, ahead, I want to, I want to, yeah, I want to dialogue with you. And um, so, so, uh, and Ashley, you can jump on, on this as well. And where I'm, where I'm going with the dialogue and this is, and I'm, and I'm challenging intentionally just so that we go deeper with this dialogue. And so, um, Dr. Dr. Um, Sajada, absolutely agree when you were talking about the idea of, you know, in a sense, for those who want to be monogamous, being with monogamous people. And so I want to talk about that group. Um, and, and, as, and, I, and what I want to highlight, when you told your story, Dr. Sanjata, then, you know, highlight some people are struggling with the monogamy paradigm because that is, in fact, like yourself, that's not who they are, right? And so... Um, but for those, in a sense, who are and they're still struggling, let me tell you some things I've heard that led to me writing the piece. Because what I and I want to I want to clarify something for you, Ashley, as well. Again, the pieces are to intentionally create dialogue. So I understand that the leaning in that piece looks like it's placing it on 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 women or whatever. I'm highlighting that that's a lot of inf- a lot of dialogue that has been handed out. So um, in historically. So we're, it's leading to this discussion. So let me just highlight that. But as far as you, I said, I think about why I wrote the pieces because I remember in my 20s, I, um, as I said in the piece, 
was very, one thing that I was very afraid about was I was in the military and I had a lot of men who were super, super frustrated by the very little things they were able to get in offense from their wives. And these men told me from time to time they wouldn't care if she just laid there. And I'm not saying that's something that could be a habit. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that's something that could be a habit or could continuously be the case. But because they were so deprived, and this is not, and I'm not saying because of the woman. What I'm saying is this is what was in their mindset because they were so deprived. And I can tell you as a man, when I've been in committed, because I, I, I mean, I've, I've been one of the people who would do a committed boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. As I'm now at 48, I'm not a fan of committed boyfriend-girlfriend relationships. But that's just me personally. But I've definitely, um, most of my life, I've been able to stay committed in relationships. And... Um, and I was fortunate enough to always get someone who had a high sex drive as well. So we didn't really have this issue. But there were some times where my lady would come to me and be like, I just need it. And mm-hmm. I would meet the need despite what, I, what we, our situations would normally be, um, which was we were both into it. This is something that we wanted to do. So I didn't mind, in a sense, you know, just meeting the need for her, and she would do the same for me. So I'm just saying sometimes, men, we can play that out, and it'd be okay. I'm just throwing it out to you as a thought. Um, your thoughts, Queen, mm-hmm. and Ashley, you want to hear your thoughts about some of what I just said. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that, and I, I do understand that, and I think it still speaks to that point of um, a lot of women feel burdened to please the man and doesn't get her own pleasure, and then especially if, if a woman has a job or she has a career or she's a mother, you know, she can be pulled in so many different places that then she may not, you know, that may affect her mm-hmm. libido. Absolutely. And then, you know, different circumstances like long distance or arrangements, such as you said in the military, you know, there is a scarcity of that meaningful and intentful interaction. So, so I definitely, you know, and I always grew up with a lot of male friends, even platonically. So, you know, I've heard these things and I know that, mm-hmm. There are men who are like, well, shoot, I, I hardly get it. So, you know, even if she did just lay there, you know, I was glad to get that. <laughs> so I definitely mm-hmm. understand that. Um, you know, but again, yeah, I think it comes. Let me do this too. Let me do this too. Mm-hmm. Before we get the break, I'm going to keep you on. I just got to do the break. This is okay. the last break. So if you will, stay on with me, Queen. And I definitely want to hear Ashley's All thoughts right. on this as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you. LNG Technology Services. We are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. If you have a product or service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, yes, definitely contact me directly. You can DM me on the IG page, which is mental underscore dialogue, or find me on Facebook under Montoya Smith or the Mental Dialogue Facebook page. Uh, Also wanted to highlight 
um, something that I'm going to be doing with my Queens of Intellect uh, member, Ashley Thomas. She is an amazing finance coach. And so before we get back to the show, if you will, Ashley, would like to highlight our upcoming Money Matter Mondays that will be starting on December the 13th will be our first one. But if you will, Queen, just again, jumping off the subject and on real quick, um, just let people know what they can look out for with the um, Money Matter Mondays, if you will, Queen. Yeah, so um, we're going to start having hour-long conversations once a month around money and um, just different things to know about money, fears about money, how you can improve your money mindset, um, just really trying to bring the mental and the money together in these conversations. And we will be partnering with a therapist on those calls um, just so that we can be real and honest about money. Yep, where mental health meets money. Mike, making money matters. Looking forward to those. We'll definitely have more details next Saturday as we'll be doing a discussion in reference to are you afraid of money. So I'm looking forward to next Saturday's Mental Dialogue talk show. But this morning's discussion, what I wish my parents would have taught me about sex. Uh, we got a truth seeker on the line. I think she goes by, I think she, oh, I got to have her tell me again. But before I get back to her, I, I want to put, again, the piece that's from my upcoming book, Again, the pieces are not written for agreement. They're written to have this type of discussion. And so um, Dr. Sanjata, as he basically broke down as our guest, that whatever systemic or paradigms that we have that are, that are not aligned with what's natural, he's definitely the break down the entire door and change the whole thing. And I love him for it. That's why I bring him on the show to give that perspective. He knows with me, I take the approach of, okay, this is how it is, so what's the next step before we can get to what Dr. Shinjata is talking about? Because it's not that I – I don't disagree with anything, even though, you know, we have some point of disagreements in reference to certain things, but ultimately I can't disagree with anything he's saying because I understand human nature and have read some of the evolution as well. Uh, and, and the reality is whether people want to accept it or not, humans are not naturally monogamous. Um, there's a whole process to how we even got to this point. Uh, we don't have time to do that on this show, but I, do, I wanted to highlight that because as I go back to the piece, here's where I want to get your thoughts, Ashley, before I go back to the caller. So while I absolutely understand that the piece, and, I, and you know, it triggered you, it has you angry, and I definitely understand that. I, I'm very aware that the piece could do that. So here's the question that I have for you because – I think the caller just pointed this out right before we went to the break. So when I was breaking down the experience I had with the men that I followed in the um, military who had me afraid of marriage because me being a very sexually active person, thinking, you know, I don't want to get in marriage and not get any sex because that's kind of the theme I kept hearing. And so um, my the, the advice, as I said, my, my one of my best friend's father gave her, she loved that advice. And I'm not saying all women should. That's not what I'm saying, Ashley. It's just she loved that advice, and she feels like it's played a good role in her current relationship now. Here it is. When I say a good role, I'm not talking about that it's on, the onus is on the woman not to cheat, because I highlighted in the, in the piece that this by itself does not ensure that a man won't cheat if that's cheat if you know if he's made that commitment to you and that if he just wants to he just wanted to but I was highlighting because I've had men like this and here's where I want you to jump in Ashley so 
I've also met brothers who I've talked to intimately who their frustration with the lack of getting any was a big issue. They try to have the dialogue with their wives, and that was still the case. They felt reduced to, in a sense, when they would. In that same piece, because I've had these dialogues with these men, that's why I highlighted a lot of men who, they're with a woman, they've agreed to some level of monogamy, they've made this commitment, and a lot of men, because of society, are leaving out everything that the caller talked about. They're not ensuring that they've set up a situation in which they're, in a sense, if this is what they need, they're not even doing the shit to get what they need. So the piece is to have an honest dialogue for those who are willing to have the commitment, but there's a lack of sex, and their dialogue is just simply about the sex and not everything that goes with that process. I don't know, I don't know if you could see some of that in the piece because I understand that it may have triggered you, but I wanted to hear your thoughts as I attempt to break down some of what the piece was attempting to do. Your thoughts, Ashley, then I'm going to go back to the caller. No, I, I I understand what the piece is saying, right? But, like, it is just exhausting being a woman, right? Because, like, regardless of what your piece says, like, the idea is that I should be having sex with my husband every day, right? Like, just to make sure that he's satisfied, he's not going out there with too much testosterone and being tempted by these women out there, right? And And, like... I understand that. I, I think that sex is a very underrated and undercommunicated part of relationships. But mm-hmm. there is such a thing as sexual chemistry. And, like, if you do not have a partner that is aligned with what you need, you're always going to be dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. But, like, you have to know what mm-hmm. your sexual needs are beyond just, like, having sex and busting a nut, you have to know what you need so that you can make sure that you're compatible with someone. And at the end of the day, it still does not fall on someone else, right? Like there has to be other ways for you to supplement that. As a woman and a woman with a hormone imbalance, my hormones go from left to right very fast depending on what's going on. And, like, I, I just always feel that the things that women go through and, like, literally how our bodies are wired and our hormones and all of these things, like, it all just gets thrown out the window to make sure that the man is satisfied. And, like, I'm monogamous, right? So my approach is, like, the only thing that's going to keep you is if you want to be kept. It doesn't matter if I'm fucking you five ways from today till tomorrow. If you mm-hmm. don't want this, you're not going to be committed to it. And if you do want this, then we should be having conversations on how we can be improving boundaries. How can we be communicating better? How can I be pleasing you? Are there things that we should be adding to our sexual relationship to make sure it's up to par? But it does not fall on me, regardless of if you're doing the honey-do list or not. It's not about am I fucking you enough to make sure that you're not going to be tempted by this other woman. You need to know yourself and know what you need to bring that to me so that I can tell you if I have the capacity to meet that or not. Sounds perfect. We hardly ever enter relationships with that knowledge. I want to go back to the caller right now. Go ahead. Um, say say your um professional name again. I want to call you what you like to be called, Queen. Yes, I go by Hadassah, um, Hadassah and yes. I have a. Okay, yes. all right. Yes. So, right thing. Go ahead, Queen. To get to get back with um you know uh, what Ashley was actually saying, I I don't believe in sexual incompatibility. A woman who is fully present in her body and embodies her pleasure finds pleasure for herself with any man, you know, and with her man 
of course, communication is a huge part of that. I definitely agree with Ashley on that. Um, But because she knows her body and what fulfills her, and she can find that with any man. Um, And coming full circle to the previous conversation, when a woman or a daughter is not taught by her mother or other women in rites of passage um, to be present in her body in all aspects of life, she will see sex as a hardship or as an obligation rather than desiring that for her healing and pleasure. A woman who embodies her sexuality as a point of healing through pleasure will look forward to any moment she can have to herself. Then she will see sex with her husband as sort of her Calgon getaway, so to speak, you know, her spa moment, her self-care moment. And um, my mother did teach and model for me at a young age the importance of self-care and pleasure. She would make her own spa and bath and beauty products, which I have inherited and I make in my own small business. Um, And she would teach me about prioritizing self-care and pleasure. She would go to the spa every month, you know, and treat herself. And she was fully embodied in these practices. And so because I was fortunate enough to have my mom teach me about my body and surrendering to pleasure for myself, um, she taught me that, you know, men really do want to serve and please women. They're not just these selfish takers that we we see in the movie. Yeah, we definitely do. I love it. We are at the end of the show, Queen. So thank you for those beautiful thoughts. Thank you for some beautiful both sides, if you will, uh, we can continue this conversation, but we are at the end. So I want to um, thank you for calling in and, and definitely hopefully become thank a regular listener. No, absolutely. Yes, to I the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. Appreciate you. Uh, Brother Kevin, I'm not going to be able to get back to you. Sorry about that, King. Uh, I want to um, highlight you now, Dr. Sanjata, because, um, um, you know, we only got three minutes. So if you want to make a quick, t- uh, quick thought. But more or less, I want people to know how they can keep up with you and learn all this available, um, valuable information that you're learning and sharing with others. So I want you to highlight more on sharing your story than giving us a complete wrap-up. Um, we have plenty of shows that we can't give a complete wrap-up to. So just make that part quick and let them know how they can stay in contact with you. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, you know, folks can follow me on social at, um, at dr.sunjata. That's, I'm sure they see it in the show. But S-U-N-D-I-A-T-A uh, is how I spell Sunjata, at dr.sunjata or at drsunjata on Facebook and Instagram. I'm pretty transparent. I share a lot of stories. I write papers. I'm actually in the process of writing a paper on a relationship, um, a framework for reimagining relationships. And it's going to be titled, Till Death Do Us Part Reimagined. Um, because I do believe there are ways that, you know, we can we can do this thing and relate with one another in ways that aren't such just aren't steeped in so much dysfunction and, and, and misalignments. Um, so I just appreciate the platform. I also have a website, uh, which is drsunjata.com, drsunjata.com, where you can find my podcasts as well as um, the papers that I write, uh, articles, essays uh, that I write. And um, I appreciate the platform, Montoya, and thank you for all you do. You're doing amazing work. I'm glad you're, you're experiencing the growth that you're experiencing. Tell me the name of the, um, um, the podcast because I learned a lot. I've learned a lot from listening to um, to, to, to Dr. Yeah, thank you. The the podcast is titled Theory of Indivisibility, and you can find it on, you know, all the podcast platforms, uh, you know, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Theory of Indivisibility with Dr. Sunjata. I think you all will get a lot from it. Thanks for, yeah, for, for probing to that, Montoya. Yeah, it is amazing. I've learned from it. Uh, with that said, um, Ashley, we've got one minute, so keep it short. 
Uh, tell them how they can stay in contact with you if you want to say one last thing. But thank you for having this dialogue because, to me, again, I think even the peace sparked you saying things that people need to hear. The peace is not the peace not to agree. It's the dialogue that we're not having. That's right. the goal with the, with the book. So thank you for, um, you know, being willing to understand that about the book. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah, um, I would just say, like, you do a disservice to every person in your family, to every person you come in contact with by not having open and vulnerable conversations about sex, no matter the age. Um, You can follow me on Instagram at Making Money Matter LLC, same with Facebook. Um, Yeah, you can email me at makingmoneymatter at gmail.com, makingmoneymatter.org. Reach out to me if you have any questions. I enjoy the dialogue. Wednesday night, 8 p.m., Just My Three Cents podcast, where we make it make sense. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.